everybody on the run with beards and dunn is back again beards i think there were some races there in detroit lakes the last day or two what what was going on up there well done yes it was our 28th annual beardsley races and um, i'm a little bit sore today what would you do <laughs> well i run the half marathon every year and <laughs> oh my gosh I ran it, slow, the slowest half marathon that I've ever run. I ran two hours, 20 minutes, and 44 seconds. I didn't that's, finish that's last. A, that's a good marathon time there, bud. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but um, we had a great turnout. The weather was was ideal. And, you know, I don't know if we talked about this on one of our podcasts, but our beloved race director, Mark Knutson, oh, um, yeah. on July 9th had a bicycling accident and was struck and killed. And... So it was really a, a big turnout in honor of Mark. And I, I did a, I, I sang a few songs and told a few stories that Mark always liked to hear at the pasta supper the night before. And we had a great turnout of, of runners for the, we have, so we had the half marathon, the 25K, a 10K, the, uh, the 5K Andy Beardsley Memorial 5K run and walk. And then the kids run. So we have a lot of stuff packed in there from about 8 o'clock in the morning till about noon. Yeah, it's such a sad, you know, I met Mark Knutson a couple times. Yeah. Just a super guy. And and being a cyclist, and you've ridden bikes, and every, all of us that have ever been on a bike, you know, when you're out there on the edge of the road, you're so vulnerable. And, and you know, and I don't know the circumstances. You know, usually somebody makes a mistake. And unfortunately, you know, it's those are... Really, so the consequences of mistakes when you're on I the know. road are huge. You know, for, as a driver, you got to have your focus on driving, not on texting and dialing in the radio and you know doing stuff like that. And if you're a cyclist, you can't assume anything. You know, no. I know I I've, I ride you got to ride defensively. You do, and I ride with. Uh, so I like music, but I only use one ear jack. Good, good advice. A, and if I have a Bluetooth, I just put the one earbud in. I don't put both of them in because. You would definitely want to know when somebody's coming up behind you or if you're going to turn, you want to make sure it's clear and safe and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, that's 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 uh, so sad. Um, yeah, but, and, but, but, you know, it was really neat because at the pasta dinner, Mark's mom and dad, John and Sharon Knutson, were there. And I think three of his four kids were able to make it. The one lives out on the East Coast, and they were all there. And it was just really a nice tribute to Mark. And, you know, for a while there, we didn't know if we were going to even be able to put it on, but... You know, we the the a lot of my good friends in Detroit Lakes they rallied around it and they said we're going to get this race on and it went off as good as ever and I know Mark was looking down with a big smile on his face. It's so cool, you know, when you're they said when the the leader falls, sort of thing. You know, if you've done, you have good people around you that they're ready to step in, right, and, and take take up the man. And they did. It was also, awesome. It looked like a nice day. I saw some Facebook photos. One of our uh, one of our fans, one of your biggest fans, Jody Cheersma. Yeah. And, uh, I, I hope she hears us sometime because, you know, Virgil Cheersma was a great runner and a good friend of right. her and I. And and uh, she married into the Cheersma family. And and uh, she was a heck of a runner out of Yankton. And uh, her, her dad was a heck of a coach, uh, Bob Winter down there. And so uh, I saw some Facebook photos of you and her and some of her friends. And it looked like you guys were having a great time. Yeah, it really was. It was a perfect day to run. It was about 58 degrees at the start no wind cloud cover which was really nice and uh yeah it was just a it was a perfect day to 
to have our 28th annual Beardsley races. Yeah, good to hear. All right, let's get back to where we left okay. off. You know, you, last time, I tell you, that was so much fun. I it was my favorite episode to listen to you review the Boston from the, you know, when you, when you have one of the two guys that was in the duel in the sun telling you what was going on, it, it's pretty good stuff. And, and we kind of ended up with you crossing the finish line 1.6 seconds right behind Alberto. Oh. He, you both fell into the cops and the support people right. there's arms because like you said you were both at oh we would have been done yeah. if they hadn't been there we would have both been laying on the <laughs> on the asphalt I, I think you guys both get for your best effort that day i don't think anybody was holding anything back and then that we kind of ended up with you know he they drug alberto up onto the the victory podium i guess right they didn't have like a first second and third they just put the winner up there absolutely that, uh, olive wreath or whatever that thing they put yep. on your head and they get a nice medal around his neck, and I think it's a real diamond, if I'm not mistaken, in that Boston first place medal, and and something nobody had ever seen before or since. You got drunk. You were just there, and Alberto. I don't know if you. He pulled you up there with him, and as they raised his arm, he raised your arm, and yeah, and it's just really a great, great shot. John, I, you know that's one thing. I will never, I will never forget that. In fact, you know, right after we finished. And, you know, we, we embraced, and I, I remember saying to Alberto something like, man, great race, Alberto. And, and he turned to me, he goes, Dick, he goes, right back at you. I, I've never been pushed harder by anybody in my entire life in a race. So that meant a lot. And then <laughs> yeah. and then when he's getting the the pendulum of, of, of awards, being the winner of the Boston Marathon, up on that podium with all the thousands of people and all the dignitaries, and then he pulls me up there with it to let him let me kind of share that moment with them. It was something I'll never forget. The crowd must have went freaking nuts. They did. I would assume the yeah, you know, they get both because you guys just gave it all, and it was a great race, and you both deserved the accolades that you got. And so, all right, you get off the podium, <laughs> so, and I know I've heard some stories. What happened immediately? What happened okay. next? So, you know, when when Alberto and I finish. Alberto had a couple of state troopers that grabbed him to try to get him over to the podium, and I had a couple of J.C. Penney security guards grab me. <laughs> they're, they're trying to get me into the basement garage of the Prudential Insurance Building because that's where all the media was, and they wanted to talk to us. Well, unfortunately, Alberto had to go to the medical tent, so he couldn't make it, and I should have been right in there with them. So once I got down off the podium, I've got these security people trying to get me through this mass of people and done. It was like the LA freeway at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. (laughs) You could not budge. And so I'm just kind of standing there and these two security guards are kind of holding me up a little bit. And when I feel a tug on my shorts and I look to my right, there's a young boy, probably eight, nine years old. And he goes, hey, Mr. Beardsley, can I have that new balance painter's cap you have on your head? I said, sure you can. So I took it off and I put it on his head and he had a little friend with him and he goes, hey, Mr. Beardsley, can I have that orange sponge sticking out of your shorts? And I'm thinking, I said, sure you can. So I pulled the sponge out, hand it to him and I'm thinking, man, if these boys have many more buddies, I'm going to be buck naked here pretty quick, you know? (laughs) So finally, and I'll kind of finish that story a little bit later about okay. what happened. But so anyhow, finally, they get me into the Prudential garage and there must be three 
hundred media people in there, and they put me up on this kind of a uh, a stage, a small little pre-built stage with a table up there and a chair. So I get up there and I, I take my shoes off because my feet were pretty messed up and sore and everything, and I I set them up on the table. So done. I am answering one question after another. Well, you're after... the only one available, isn't it? Yes. Ludwig, the third place finisher, hasn't finished yet. No. He's like four minutes behind you guys. Right. And then Alberto is in the medical tent. Exactly. Okay, all right. So I'm I'm just chatting and chatting and chatting. I was up there, oh, probably an hour and a half at least. <laughs> did we, and did then... you have a soda or did somebody give you no, a bottle No, there of water? was nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing. God. And I was parched. You know, I, I, I drinking about a teaspoon of water the whole race. And so there was some media people that were behind my back too. So I turned around and sat that way so I could talk to some of them and answer some questions and they wanted pictures and stuff. So finally, one of my guys from New Balance who worked for the company says, Dickie, you've been up here for two gosh dang hours. You got to get up to your hotel room. So I turned back around. And I noticed my New Balance racing shoes weren't there on the table. I thought, well, one of the New Balance guys must have grabbed them. So, well, when you sit down after you just ran a 208 marathon for two hours, oh, my gosh, I could hardly get up done. I felt like I was 180. And so I finally get up to the room. Now, done. a lot of knowledge has been gained since 40-some years ago. But, you know, now most elite athletes or runners, marathoners, you know, they get done with a hard race. They soak in an ice bath, right? Yeah, right. Oh, man, I got up to the hotel. I got that water as hot as, as, <laughs> hot as I could. Oh, my Lord. And every inch of my body was aching. And I remember just laying in that hot tub when the phone rings. And, you know, my first wife, Mary, was there at the race and with me at the hotel and so she answers it and the guy goes is this dick beardsley's room and mary says yes it is and the guy goes tell him dick ran a great race i'm the one that stole his shoes and click oh, and done yeah we haven't seen those shoes since they'll, they'll probably be on ebay here maybe someday or something. well and, and yeah. done here's the thing so coach squires a couple of days before Coach was a devout Catholic, and um, he he asked me, he says, Dickie, he says, would you mind donating your racing shoes to my church I go to, and we're going to auction them off so we can raise money for, like, some Mission. school yeah. kid project. Yeah. I said, Coach, absolutely, they're yours. And here they were, they were gone. And here about, at a, I think it was at the 40th anniversary of the race, Jill was able to, my wife Jill was able to find a picture of those shoes that I wore back then. And she posted it on Facebook and said, no questions asked. If you are the ones that took my shoes, we'd love to get them back and never heard wow. anything. Now, I know the rest of this. Now, Beards, what are the odds of anybody keeping anything for 40 years and returning it to you? Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I know. So we're, let's go back to the two little boys that, right. you know, I gave my cap to. So, you know, I gave my cap to one little boy, the orange sponge to the other, and then I didn't even think about it again. Yeah. Well, in, I think it was in 2002 or 2004, Runner's World Magazine did a big spread on our race 
back in 1982, of course, called Duel in the Sun. So they had all kinds of pictures in there, in there and everything. And about a week after it hit the newsstand, I get an email from a gal. Yeah, dear Dick, um, my son um, my son is a runner and he was reading the recent issue of Runner's World magazine and he saw all the pictures and he called me up and he says, Mom, do you think Dick would like his cap back? So <laughs> done. About a week later, in the mail came the cap I wore how many years before? And, you know, the night before, Coach Squires had me cut a bunch of holes in the top so it would kind of let the hot air out of my head. And back then, I think I'd mentioned earlier, they were made of paper. Yeah. And so I, I, I remember I was so excited. I, I get that cap out, and I put it on my head, and these little paper particles just kind of went, you know, <laughs> sprawling all over. And so my wife, Jill, she... um eventually I just kept it in a bag. I used to take it if I was speaking at a race somewhere. You had it in a Ziploc bag. Yes. Yeah, I I remember that. And I'd pass it around. Well, it was was really starting to get kind of worn. So um, my wife, Jill, she shadow boxed it um, in a real nice glass case and with my race number. And then when New Balance, oh, a few years ago, when they built their brand new world headquarters out in Boston, they called me up and they said, Dick, they go, is there any chance we could have that cap and your race number to put in our New Balance Museum? And it was an honor that they even asked oh, me. Sure. So I talked with, you know, my two stepsons, Matthew and Christopher, and my son, Andy. I said, boys, are you okay if I let New Balance, you know, put this in their museum? And they all said, oh, yeah, not a problem. But they go, if we ever want it back... Can we get it back? And, of course, New Balance said absolutely. So that's where it's at. So let's (laughs) fast forward to about three years ago. So New Balance was having a big conference in Chicago. And one of my friends that works there is a bigwig there. uh, uh, His name is Kevin Adams. Him and another New Balance guy, one evening after they were all done with the conference, they went into a local pub there in Chicago. So, you know, they, they go up to the bar to get a brewski or something, and they got a New Balance, you know, gear on, and the bartender comes over to wait, and he says, ah, New Balance, you guys work for New Balance? They go, oh, yeah. He goes, you ever hear of a guy named Dick Beardsley? And they're going, Dick, yeah, he's still doing stuff for us. He goes, I'm the guy that he gave the cap to. No way. Yes. I done. Even, I didn't know that. Yes. So they took a picture and sent it to me, and then they called me, and I actually talked to him on the phone. <laughs> this little kid who was like eight, nine years old, yeah. now 29. Or oh, now he's like in his 30. 30s. And, and so he sent you the cap back. He kept it all those years as a yes. memorabilia. And now, you just by a twist of fate, New Balance bumps into this guy and connects you two together. Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? I know. Life is, I tell this world is, it's amazing. Well, there's still a lot of good people left in this world. So let's, I'm going back to you soaking in the hot tub after, you know, in in the shower, in the tub. Beards, what were your, I'm I'm trying to put myself in your mind. Totally happy, feeling fulfilled in the effort. Sitting there going, son of a biscuit. I can't believe I just got second place. Done. That's, so... You know, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last podcast. I don't think I did. But, you know, when I crossed that finish line, I was so 
I'd never been so happy in my life. Half of me. The other half had never been so disappointed. Oh, so I'm thinking, yeah. I just ran a 208 marathon, but I got second, yeah. you know? And I remember, you know, back then, of course, we didn't have cell phones. I got some telegrams, things like that. Yeah, and yeah. a couple, it wasn't you because you understand, but a couple of high school buddies that I hadn't seen in years, they uh, call up and they go, Beards, man, congratulations. But you mean to tell me you couldn't have made up 1.6 seconds in a race? <laughs> you had him on the ropes, Beards. Come on. Two miles, I know. Uh. So, so anyhow, so um, when I'm soaking in the tub after the phone call from the guy that took my <laughs> shoes, and I'm thinking to myself, what could I have done different right. where I would have finished in front and Alberto right behind? So done, in my mind, I literally went back to the starting line in Hopkinton and retraced literally every step of every mile from Hopkinton to the finish line in downtown Boston. And done, when I got all done analyzing that in my brain, I was smiling from ear to ear. Because absolutely nothing. You know, and, not- you, and done, you know this. Yeah. At the end of the day, whatever it is, running a marathon, riding a bike, working with your business, dealing with family yeah. situations, at the end of the day, if you know you gave it your very, very best, how can you be disappointed exactly. in that? Exactly. I saw a quote just recently. I think it was Rod Dixon. It was a somebody like that, maybe. And he just said, you know, when when things don't go your well, way, it's okay to be disappointed for about an hour. Yeah. And then it's time to move on. You know, right. learn from it. Put it behind you. The past is done. You know. So he says, we're we're human. You're gonna have that feeling of like, oh shoot. Right. And yeah. Go ahead. You know, you can have that for about an hour. Exactly. And then it's time to look back. Move. Don't look back. Look forward and and learn. Learn. You might gain something from that. So that's cool. All right. So you're you get out of the tub. I want I want minute by minute details here now. So okay. So <laughs> that night, um, we 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 go down. We Mary and I thought, well, let's just eat in the hotel. So we go downstairs, and you know we're running into all kinds of people, and they're patting your back and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Cool. Well. I run into George Hirsch. Remember George? Run it, runner. The Runner Magazine. Yeah. And George is still alive and doing great, lives wow. in New York City. He goes, and his wife was with him. I can't remember her name. But he goes, Dick, I want to treat you and Mary to supper. It's on me. And so he took us into this nice restaurant, and we ate and chatted with him and everything. And But then after the we were done with supper, New Balance, of course, their world headquarters are in Boston. So... They had rented a big ballroom at the hotel, and they're having this big shindig that night. And so Jim Davis, the owner of the New Balance Shoe Company, he asked me to make sure I was there. So they they have a band playing, people are dancing, and finally it settles down. And Jim gets up on stage and he he goes, "Dicky Beardsley," you know, he always called me Dicky, <laughs> just like Coach Squires. Dicky, come on up here. And he goes, you know, he goes. Um, what a race you and Salazar put on. And you know what? It, it, it's so, even though you didn't actually win it, it's almost just as good. And and he gave me a check for $5,000, wow. which that was a I, lot of money back then. And you weren't under contract at this point with them, were no, you? No, my okay. contract had run out April 1st. Right. And Timing. I wasn't in, you know, that was Timing the last is everything. thing I was worried right. about. Yeah. So, so then it, we finally, we go to bed that night and, about 7.30 the next morning, our the phone rings in our hotel room, and it's Jim Davis. 
owner of New Balance. He goes, Dickie, he goes, listen, there's a white limo downstairs. He goes, whenever you and Mary decide you want to go out, he goes, you go anywhere you want to go. You buy anything you want to buy. You eat any place you want to eat at. It's all on us. But he says, I need you back here to our headquarters at 2.30 this afternoon. So I'm going, well, gee, Mr. Davis, thanks a lot. That's awful nice of you. So finally I get out of bed and now done. You remember, usually the day after a marathon, I'd go for about a 45-minute easy jog. <laughs> right. So I can barely get out of bed. Okay. I am so sore well, every Boston, part of my body. Boston, you know, if people have run it, it, it does have a, some quite a bit of downhill in it. It, which really hammers you. That's it what hammers you. Yeah, it makes you sore. And so I get up and I put my running stuff on and I go down to the to the main floor and I go out onto the uh, side street in Boston. Done. I ran about 10 yards and it never hurt so bad in my life when I stopped and I turned around, I went back up and crawled back into bed. I can relate. That, every marathon felt like that to me. But anyway. So, oh, so you I don't think I off. ran that yeah. whole week. Okay. Which for me was, a you know, that was Unusual. crazy. Yeah. So yeah. finally, <laughs> you're, um, you're in a week off. We, we go out in the white limo and we go up to the, that, the north part of Boston where all the good Italian food places are. We have a real nice lunch and we bought a few souvenirs. And finally, the driver takes us takes me back she he, he dropped mary off at the hotel and takes me back to the new balance so i walk in and jim isn't with these two guys but two of the top dogs at new balance they go dick come on down here so they open up this little door and done i walk in there with these two guys they close the door it's like the size of a broom closet and there's a <laughs> light bulb hanging down from a cord <laughs> and, and a little table with one chair. They go, Dick, sit down. So I sit down and they they take this about one inch thick contract and plop it in front of me. And they go, Dick, just, you know, here's a contract, three-year guaranteed deal. Bonuses are in there and everything. He goes, just sign it. It's all, all good. Well done. <laughs> Don't need to read it. <laughs> yeah, I... You know, I flunked seventh grade English. I mean, I don't know what, and it's all in this lawyer talk, and I'm going, gosh, guys, I, you know, I, I really should have somebody look at this. No, yeah. it's, Dick, it's all good. Well, <laughs> they, they had me in there for close to an hour trying to trying get, to get to me to sign it. Oh. And finally, I said, guys, no, I said, I'm not going to sign it. I, yeah, I appreciate the offer, but I said, I really do need to have somebody take a look at it. And then they, they said, yeah, okay, that's. You're, you're probably right. You're not that's getting probably... out of this room till you sign, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was kind of afraid that that it might happen. So, I um I get back home, and uh, my you met Bob Franzen. Sure. Yeah, he was a at Wasika. He was a teammate of mine, and we actually roomed together for one semester. Well, his dad, Dennis, had a good friend that was a lawyer. So I come back, and he takes a look at it, and he starts wheeling and dealing with New Balance. Well, he gets it a lot higher than what they had originally offered me. And it was a three-year guaranteed deal. So, plus done. There there were bonuses built into the contract. So, like, if I made an an Olympic team, 
I believe I was, I, I, it was fifty worth $50,000. Okay. If I won a gold medal, it was 100000 for gold, 75000 for silver, and 50000 for bronze. Well, then they had another thing um, for other races outside the Olympics. If I, you know, whatever kind of race it was, it didn't have to be a marathon. It was um, 5000 to win for a win. 3,000 for second and 1,500 for third. Well, done. You know, back then we, we ran a ton of races every year. <laughs> weekend. It was part of our training. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm winning the Long Lake Corn Days four miler <laughs> with about 50 people. I could have probably run it on a pogo stick and probably won. So done. At the, at the end of the month, I total up my, my winnings and I'd send it to New Balance. I was pulling in about 15 extra grand a month. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I know it's a pretty good deal, and I don't know if you want to say what it was, but I know it escalated. Didn't it kind of go it up? It did. It yeah. went... 55. It, yeah, it was like 55, 55, 75 or yeah, something like yeah. that. Each year. And, goes, uh, yeah. and there were these bonuses. So that fall, New Balance has me come out to New York, for, I think for the New York City Marathon to you know, sign posters or something. Well, one of the the CFO of the company, he said, yeah, Dick, he says... um. I'm going to take you out to a nice restaurant tonight so we can chat a little bit. I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And so takes me out to this fancy restaurant, and pretty soon he opens up his briefcase and he pulls out the contract. He goes, Dick, here's the deal. It's totally our fault. We made a mistake. You know, we on those bonuses, we should have put what races count. Specific. You know, instead of the Long Lake Days four-miler, it'd be like Peachtree, yeah, Felmuth. Yeah. Boiler you know, Maker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, these big races where there are a lot of elite runners Bobby there. Bobby Krim, 10 miles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He goes, listen, we'll pay you for what we already owe you. But he said, we'd really like to redo that part of the contract. <laughs> and I remember going... You know, I, I'm going, his name was Jeff, I think. I go, you know, Jeff, I'll be honest with you. I was wondering about that, to be honest with you. Now, done. I could have been a real jerk yeah. and said, hey, we got a signed deal. A deal is a deal. A yes. deal's a deal. And, but, I, but, of course, I didn't do that. It's probably, I can tell you this, I, I wouldn't be with New Balance today right. if I had done that 40-some uh, years ago. It, yeah, you're, you're, you guys are all working together, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it got renegotiated and, and or they redid the bonuses and cool. everybody was happy. So you got, all right, now let me just back up a little bit. So you, uh, you, you partied at New Balance. Was there an award ceremony for Boston? And I know, because I remember reading there some was. magazine. Yeah, Alberto showed up and they had bandages on both his elbows from the IVs. From the IVs. And it was wearing like badges of honor. They so said or done. something like that. It was that, later that... It must have been that evening, around yeah. 6 o'clock or something like that, maybe late afternoon. They had an award ceremony, and Alberto and I were there, and and um, it was really kind of neat. Um, we each got this beautiful gold-plated clock. It looked exactly the same. His was just a little bit bigger than mine. <laughs> and on his on the, on the top of his plaque, it said, Alberto Salazar, first place. Boston Marathon, two hours, eight minutes, and 51 seconds. And mine said, same thing, except yep. Dick Beardsley, second place, 208.53. And and then we got a, a medal, and I don't even know what happened to that medal. It's probably in a box somewhere. I've seen your clock. Is that thing, did, yeah. it, quit, did it quit working? Yeah, but we got it fixed. <laughs> okay. But, and done. You know what? Of all the memorabilia I have, 
I mean, that's the only thing yeah. that's even sitting out where somebody could even see it, you well, know? Most trophies are kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Gaudy. You know, they kind when of I've a, given a lot of them to other races, yeah. and they just take the little Plaque name off. tag yeah. thing yeah. off. and I know somebody Bob Harley was always very uh, happy. You were very good at recycling your, your trophies to the yeah. first riders. Oh, then, yeah, I gave a lot to Bob. Oh, for sure. All right, so then there was the awards. You went out New Balance that night. When'd you go home? Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, so or must we have been went, Wednesday? No, it would be, been Wednesday. Right. So we go home Wednesday, and we fly into Minneapolis. We get off the plane, and my gosh, there's a there's a high school band playing. The <laughs> so they songs. knew they knew when you were coming. Somebody had right. said, and that on- was back when you could do that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And there was, I don't know, probably 100 people, you know, and there was all the television stations from the cities were there. And so they're shoving mics into my hand or into my face and everything. And um, it was just kind of a almost surreal. There you go. That's a good word for it. And so finally we got out of that and Mary and I drive back to the little town of Rush City. We lived in a 100-year-old cabin on the St. Croix River. Are you still driving that little white Honda Civic? Yeah. Okay, okay. Keep going. Keep going. And so we... We get we pull into the little town of Rush City about twelve thirty in the morning, and we're driving through town. Of course, nobody's around, <laughs> but there's banners. All the window windows are painted. You know, congratulations, Dick, and blah blah blah. And and then the next morning, the the high school band in a day and a half learned how to play. Remember the theme from Chariots of Fire? Sure, yeah. They missed a few notes every <laughs> once in a while, but done. Mary and I show up at the high school at like 11 o'clock that next morning. There is not a single person in that town that wasn't in that gosh dang school. All the kids were there and they bring Mary and I up on the stage and they give Mary this beautiful bouquet of flowers. They hand me a key to the city of Rush City. (laughs) And I, I forget who the governor of Minnesota oh, was at the was time. It, per- it wasn't Perpich, was it? I think it might have been Governor Perpich. Yeah. And um, and that day was Dick Beardsley Day in Minnesota, and they gave me a nice little plaque wow, and stuff. That's and so cool. Yeah, it was. It was again. It was like I, I felt like have was having this wonderful dream. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were all having done. it with. We were all having it with you. Well, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. you know how excited. Everybody, I know how excited oh, you and oh, Karen were. Was. and Oh, everybody was just, you know, it was the talk of the town. And and uh, so did your phone start, I'm just curious. You know, I don't remember ever talking to you about this. Did your phone start ringing? Were you getting calls from races, uh, oh. sponsorships, yeah. um, you know? It was done. It was crazy. I mean, they. I had companies calling me in, to. In, endorsements? In, oh, and. Endorse, you name it. Some things I don't want to name that they wanted me to endorse. <laughs> you, did, did Wheaties get a hold of you? <laughs> did you ever eat I Wheaties? I can't remember. Although General Mills is in Minneapolis, you know. They should, okay. Who so, makes Wheaties. But yeah. I know, I know, like, uh, Cream of, cream of uh, the Cremec Company, yeah. they wanted to do stuff. And I, I, I actually think that General Mills wanted me to do something also. And uh, just a lot of different, from big companies to little companies to, would you come and speak? to our school and right. you know uh, well, you, do a running store appearances things like that i mean you know there's only there's only so much time in a day and you know i was still training i had a big race coming up you know in a couple months after that so yeah. well yeah we got about we got about 10 15 minutes um 
Your first race after Boston, you must have got recruited by some really big city, some big super race somewhere to come and be like, come see Dick Beardsley, his first race yes! post Boston. Gosh, where was that? Done. The, the <laughs> metropolis of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> I wonder who talked him into that. Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, done. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. You probably talked to, well, you knew the race director, I, I think, well, or something. You know, I was working at Athletic Attic. And I don't remember, you know, this is so many years ago, but Neil Graff and Peggy, his first wife, right. owned it. And they, Neil was an NFL, uh, uh, former NFL player, and, and he knew everybody, and uh, he's quite a successful businessman. And, and somehow or another, you know, the, the Diet Pepsi, those, that was a huge race series nationwide yes. back in the late 70s, early 80s, was going on. And the Diet Pepsi 10K was going to be, and you had been there the year before, because you had come down to see us and go to Bonesville, right. I would assume. Well, it just the timing was like perfect. It's like, well, Beards, are you coming back down to? Why don't you come do the 10K? Go, you know, yeah, we want to go to see Mary's folks in Bone Steel. Yeah. So we're talking from April 19th. Now it's May. I think you said 16th. So about so less than see, a I month. Because you got know, my we, logbook here. Yeah, so we, the yeah. Boston was a April Monday. 19th. Yeah. And uh, the the uh, Pepsi Challenge 10K was the 15th of May. There you go. Less than a month. So. Word got out. Beardsley was coming back to Sioux Falls. He was going to defend his Pepsi 10K challenge oh. uh, title that he had won the year before. And it'd be his first race post-Boston. Well, I just remember um, you, they, I think it was at Sioux Falls College. Um, they, somebody had actually taped the Boston Marathon that night. NBC, Kirk Gowdy of, any, of all yeah. people. You know, they had no running sports announcers no. back in the 80s, early 80s. And Kirk Gowdy, he, I think it was ABC. I can't remember what affiliate. Uh, but they, they had the race rights. Right. And the night of the Boston Marathon, they did like a half-hour special, like at 6.30. I remember watching it, and everybody taped it. Back in the day when we had VHS tapes, so you could just plunk it in and hit record. And, and I remember then you came back, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the night before the 10K, they had you at the Sioux Falls College. They yes. played this half-hour video of the uh, replay of that program. I'd love to get a copy oh, of that. Oh, me too. It. I was thinking that. I, anyway, and so um, then you were there to oh, talk to people. You know, there's that. I don't know when that poster came out. There's a great poster. I, I put it on our website because I have mine framed. Yeah. And I put it on uh, Facebook yesterday. I said, I wonder how many people still have one of these. And our, my daughter, Shauna, did you see her reply? She no, goes, we I got didn't. two of them in our house. <laughs> and they're probably all signed by you. The, you know, I've got one that I've hung on to, and I know just about all your fans. I've probably, signed a lot of those posters oh, And I did you years. tell me at one time they had to do another run of them. Oh, yeah. Like, it probably made, like, I'm just going to guess, like, 5,000. And then it's like, hey, we need some more. Right. And they made another run of them. Yeah. And it's a classic. But I don't know if those are there. But so you showed up in Sioux Falls. And I've got on our website, you know, a kind of a photo uh, arrangement of, of uh, you came into town. You came over to our house um, at our apartment, you and Mary. And, and, and Joel Brown, he called me up and said, Mike, we got to do, we want to do a story with Dick. And I said, well. Yeah, he was with the paper. Yeah, Joel is just a super nice guy. Yeah. He was a runner. So to get a sports writer who was also a runner right. was kind of a, a great uh, opportunity. And so I said, yeah, well, Dick's going to be at our house, you know, like Friday afternoon, you guys are going to pull in like at three or something. And so he came over and met with you guys. We were living at Country Club Estates there in that condo. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. And, then, and so there's a picture of you sitting in our living room. And I remember when Joel came over, 
you were, he said, hey, Dick, could you put on your running gear? Because <laughs> they had a photographer. So you had to go in and put on your shorts and a pair of running shoes because <laughs> you just had your blue jeans on or something yeah. like that. But they wanted a picture of you in your running. And then so you did a great interview um, with Joel and the, it, the article I posted it on our website. And um, the next day then, I remember the day of the, uh, the 10K. Was, it was pretty warmish. It was a bright, yeah. sunny day. And, you know, in Sioux Falls, they started this thing over on East 12th Street on the viaduct, this big bridge that goes over the railroad tracks and the big Sioux River. They closed this thing down. I, I put on there, That's I can't right. imagine Sioux Falls closing down this street ever again. But back in those days, you know, for the Diet Pepsi 10K, and I and wish that I was could, a big race back uh, then. I, I wish I could remember the Pepsi guy, Bill, I think was his first name. And I, I apologize. I mean, my memory, he was so nice and he was so. They were so excited to have Dick Beardsley first race after Boston. And so uh, I know there's some shots of us at the start coming off the bridge and stuff. It was a who's who of South Dakota running. It really was. was, I could go through Dan O'Brien out of Sioux City, you know, Rob Kinnanen. He was a Canadian that ran for USD. Virgil. Virgil Cheersma. Paul Mosling. He's a physician now, was there. Um, uh, Steve Moe ran for USD. I'm trying to think. I'm going to leave somebody out. I think the Sattel brothers were there. Randy Fisher. It was all of us. And, you know, a chance to race with Dick and, you know, kind of maybe to measure ourselves a little bit. And, and, um, and so, we, I mean, it was a serious race. And, uh, we, and to kind of cut to the, we took off. It was a little breezy day. And um, I remember. Don, I, I, I have on my thing, I went through the first ball in 445. And we were with you. Yeah. And we all hung with you. And then we had to go up a kind of a long grinder up to McKinnon Park. It was a long uphill. And, and it, it thinned the pack a little bit. I think there might have still been two or three of us. And then we dropped down the hill by Lincoln High School and jumped onto the bike trail and followed yes. the Big Sioux River back to uh, Drake Springs by the swimming pool there. And when we hit that bike trail, I, I, I know, uh, you know, I was, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, Beards. I want, I knew you were, I was pretty sure you were going to win the race. I <laughs> wanted to get second so bad, you know. Yeah. Here's Beards, my best buddy. I know. And if we could go one, two, you know, then would that be so cool. You. So I remember it about you took off and there was a group of us, you know, kind of struggling. <laughs> Just we weren't able to go your pace anymore because you were, you know, running 450s, 455s. Yeah. We were doing more like five minute miles at this point. And, and uh, you broke away. And I remember there were two or three of us and Virgil Cheersman and I and Virgil at about four miles. It's just that he snuck away from me. He didn't like, he did, it's not like right. he surged. He, he probably picked up the pace just a little bit, and I was losing my just pace. Thing just thing you know, next thing he's in 10 yards exactly. in front of you. Exactly. It's, it's like, you can't believe it. It's like, wait a minute. I was right with him. Now he's 15 right. yards ahead of me. And there was not a darn thing I could do to close that gap. So I'm, I'm you know, just kind of hoping Virgil's going <laughs> to kind of hit the wall here pretty soon because I'm going, you know, as fast as I can. And we come around the last few miles. I remember Dan O'Brien came up on my shoulder with like 400 meters to go. Oh. Yeah, and all oh, beards. I was not going to lose. I knew I wasn't going <laughs> to Virgil, but I wasn't. So I, I, I can't believe I'm going to brag and say I out-sprinted Dan O'Brien at the end of a race, but I actually did. And, and, he, and he got, and I got third. And so I, I kind of, I was proud of my effort. And you ran yeah. just, just under 30 minutes, which is a tough thing to do on that course because it's not flat. Right. And that bike trail winds. Exactly. And it, you're always changing direction, it seems like. And, and it was so exciting. I remember the award so many was so much fun. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, Sioux Falls was so proud that you came back, you know, and ran that race. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. You know, yeah. South Dakota, you came and stayed a semester with us at South Dakota State. Well, at the end of 1982, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Every year they used to do like athlete of the year. You know, Neil Graff obviously I think won that. I think thing. it was called the sports person sports, of the year. Well, they actually had this thing called sports personality of the year. Okay. And for 1982, the South Dakota, South Dakotan sports, and and I I don't know what the qualifications you have to. Be. I don't either. You didn't have to be a resident because maybe that I crossed the border at one time. Dick or Beardsley something. was announced as the South Dakota <laughs> sports personality of the year for 1982. Yes. At the end of 82, and and it was kind of a. A joke because I don't know if you ever had established. Maybe as a student, does that give you residency in the state? I don't, I don't think Nobody so. Nobody questioned it, but you know that's kind of sometimes South Dakota has to steal a, a personality <laughs> hey, or an I, actor. Or I'm something. proud that I was very proud that they, you know, <laughs> Picture. bestowed me with that. And that, that is South so Dakota's, a, you know. Oh yeah. well, you're you're. I always said you're, you're the adopted son. You know, right. And, and the fact that Mary is from Bone Steel. Right, and, exactly. Uh, and her family is just so well-known and loved there. Yeah. And stuff. So that was so exciting that you came back to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we just had a great time. I, I oh, wish I could yeah. remember. You know, what's it say the day after the 10K in your training diary? Does it say anything about, did you and I go? I can't imagine we didn't let's go for. See, oh, done. That's a good one. Let me go to the, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, oh, so Saturday. I signed posters at Athletic oh. Attic that day from 3 I, to 5.30. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. You know, I was working at Athletic Attic, and after the race, Neil and Peggy Graff ran, and, and Peggy ran really well. I think she got third in women's division and stuff. Done. And, yes? Okay. The next day, <laughs> yeah. you and I, yeah. on hills, did a 20-miler at six-minute pace. Yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> no, I'm reading it right here. I know. That doesn't surprise me at all. And, oh my and, gosh! You know, that's funny. Well, the fact that I worked at Athletic Attic and the race ended the 10K, and and I remember I don't know if Neil, I had to go back to work. We had to go open up the store at like, right whatever. Somebody must have been there working, and one of Peggy's sisters or something. And so I think Neil might have said, "Hey, Mike, do you think there's any chance Dick would come down to the store and hang out and sign autographs?" Like, well, heck yeah! Hey, Bear, do you want to come over? Oh, sure, I'd be happy to do it. So you showed up with it three to five thirty. So that's they, what I got written down here. Yeah, three to five thirty. A little table out in front of the mall store there in the uh, Newtown Mall, and and Dick sat there for two three hours signing autographs, chatting up people. And I remember Neil was pretty excited because it brought a ton of customers in. And at the end right. of the afternoon, I remember Neil was very gracious and he was very thankful. And he he said, Dick, is there? You know, can I, do you want to help yourself to anything in the store? And I remember you were very nice. You go, well, gee, thank you, Neil. And you kind of said, I have to be honest with you, though. New Balance has taken really good care of me. I don't need running shoes. I don't need a warm up. Yeah. You know? and, he, and he goes, oh, okay. And he goes, but you go, gee, but my mother-in-law could sure use a nice pair of, you know, some running shoes, comfortable shoes to wear. He goes, pick out any pair you want. <laughs> I remember and that. I remember you got some nice shoes for your mother-in-law yeah. to take with her. And the fact that you and I got up the next day and went out, yeah, 20 miler. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I'm sure it was a, an awesome run. Uh, and we had a good time. Wow, that's crazy. That is that. Those are you know. I'm I'm just grinning from ear to ear because me I, too. The adrenaline's coming through my ear because you know we were kind of living the dream at that point. We were. Uh, I remember after the race, you know, uh, Dan O'Brien, Rob Kinnanen, uh Mosleen, all of us guys hanging out. You know, you might have been talking to the press, and we're all kind of sitting there, beards. I, I'm, and we're not being envious, but we're looking at right. you. And I think it was a great. I, I hope there's some uh, message here. We're all going now. That's the guy who a couple, two, three years ago, we were racing with, training with, and he was one of us. Now he's, oh, let's be honest, you were world-class. We were regional class, probably yeah. at best. And it's like, well, 
what happened? Why did, and you know, and I, I kind of feel like you, um, you were all in. We, none of us went all in. You know, I trained hard. I did 100 mile right. weeks. I, re- I also did a full-time job or went to grad school. Right. I, I didn't really ever feel like that should be my, what's the word? Um, my destiny, my endeavor. Yeah. You know, 100% commitment. I'm focused. This is what I'm going to do. I, it was my hobby. It wasn't my right. passion. It was, a, it was close to a passion. But I think in the, I always held back, you know, and thought, ah, you know, the odds of this happening are so small. I think you kind of made that jump. You and Mary had to sit down yep. and you said, Mary, I'd like to do this. I want to see. I just I... wanted to see. How good where, can I get? Where, yeah. How where good can I get? And, and done. You know, our early years of marriage, we didn't have very much money. No, we it would have always... been easy for you to say, look, I just got to make more money. Just for our comfort level, you know, for our right. quality. It's not like your quality of life was terrible. No. It wasn't like you're rolling in dough. But no. because you made this, you know, it's probably like a musician. It's probably like an artist. There's a lot of struggling musicians, a lot of struggling artists, right. a lot of struggling athletes. And they make a decision. I'm going to, you know, and I think you, I, I kind of look back now and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you that you said, I, I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, I'm going to throw myself into this. For a period of time, I have to admit, if you would have went to the Olympic trials, 1980 and, and, yeah. you know, matched your best time at that point, a 220 right. or something like that, right. you probably, oh, like you said, wouldn't have happened. I would have felt proud of myself and said, wow, well, yeah. I, you know, I did it. I ran a 220. I went to the Olympic trials and eh, time We're to done. get on with my life. But you've got through right. that race and said, you know what? I'm not done yet. And, and done. And it, none of that would have been possible at all without Mary. Yeah, you know, because yeah. she worked full time. She was on board. Well, that's partnership. You know, you two were exactly. on the same. You know, obviously, I'm not going to say life was always rosy. I mean, I know how marriage life is. But at the right. same time, she was happy to let you be you. Yeah. And, you know, I think you always appreciated that. That Absolutely. she was willing to do. That's what, that's what marriage and a partnership is all about. Exactly. And, you know, and so I think. And so we all sat there looking at you. And I think a couple of us kind of like, I'm going to keep doing this myself. I mean, if I apply myself even harder, who's to say, you know, I think, you know, we can get into physiology of physiological genetic, you know, uh, abilities. And where's that ceiling? You know, if I train 100%, 140 miles a week, you know, do I have the genetic potential to run? I'm just going to throw 210 marathon out there. I, I, you know, did I ever really go to that level? And I think I got close and I kind of, and we'll yeah, talk about that in the future here. For sure. The one hour run we did later in 82 where I, you know, we'll get into that, but it's kind of like, you see that there is a, there is a limit. You kind of didn't know where your limit was. No. And after Boston, <laughs> I don't know if you still knew. No. And sometimes I still at my age now, I don't know that I know. And <laughs> that's what gets me in trouble. <laughs> I was going to say, when you're out there running a, a half marathon in a, I don't know what kind of knee you got going on right now, but we won't get into that. But I think it's a commendable. Beards, I think we better cut it off for today. Hey, I'm, about, I'm about shot, Done. So, you know, on our next episode, what, any ideas what we want to talk well, about? Let's, you know, let's think about this. You finished yeah. t- uh, Sioux Falls and on uh, May 15th or whatever it was. But did you already have uh, another race scheduled? You had more yes, than one Yes, I race. did. What I had yeah. a race a week later called the, uh, it was a Syracuse 15K with some studly runners. But the one that I had already committed to over, you know, a year before was the 1982 
Grandma's Marathon, so, and that's yeah, that's another a story, story for another itself. day. But you know, Grandma's in '81 is where you ran 209. I mean, that's right. I don't know if I'd call that your breakthrough. I mean, 211 at London was pretty outstanding, but definitely the 209 put you that at another, definitely put me. Yeah, how many guys at, had? No, you know, let's just back up the truck in 1981. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was, you know, I'm a student of track and field news. Yes, you are. I think at the end of 1981, after you'd ran 209, you'd ran 212 at Houston and got second mind Rogers again, 212 yep. at Beppu. You ran London at 211 yep. and won it. Yep. You ran grandma's at 209 and won it. They ranked you in the world of marathoning number four, the fourth that best year. that year. And, you know, so when you're the fourth that's hard to believe. I know. You're the fourth. <laughs> you're ranked number four in the world. What's the number four tennis player make a year? What's the number four yeah, golfer? No What's the number four? You know, anything in any sport. It's right. It's, you're, when you're in those single digits, top 10, you're, you're, that's, a, that's a different zip code. And so, uh, and then in 2000, you know, here you start 1982 with a 208 after 212, at, at, which is kind yeah. of almost a training race, it sounded like in Houston right. uh, in January. But you run that 208. And so now you're going to grandma's and I can only imagine what the speculation was on what can Dick do at grandma's this year. And we'll talk about that awesome. in our next I can't wait. episode. I can't and wait. We want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about our show, you can contact us directly on our website, beardsanddunnpod.com, or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, now known as X, all at Beards and Done Pod. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit the, the like, the comment. We'd love to have you subscribe. Um, you know, go to our website and you can see a lot of photos of the stuff that I was we were talking about, the Diet Pepsi 10K. There's some great shots in there. And so Beards, I just had another great time chatting with you and I can't wait uh, to the next one. Me neither, Dunn. Have a good week, all buddy. Right, buddy. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.